it could become one of the best non-conference rivalries in the nation as these two teams get better and better every single season. This is a crossover episode with Locked On Baylor and Locked On Zags. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Baylor slash Locked On Zags. Today, as we're talking all things college basketball, thank you, Bear fans, for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Thank you, Bear fans, as well, for making Locked On Zags your second listen. And I'm sure thank you, Zag fans, for making Locked On Zags your place to go for every podcast you get. Uh, Andy, first and foremost, these two teams, these two coaches know plenty about each other already. They've scheduled a non-conference matchup in North Dakota coming up this next uh, you know, non-conference season as well. And it feels like these two squads, while it's not a, a true blue rivalry, kind of headed in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think Gonzaga fans absolutely love getting a chance to, to square up against Baylor, certainly uh, looking for for some revenge uh, after the national championship game from a couple of years ago. I think Scott Drew's one of the best coaches in the entire uh, NCAA, along with Mark Few, two, two of the best of the business. And we've seen in the last couple of years, it, it seems like every year that both these teams are losing so much talent to the NBA. And yet here they are once again going to be in the conversation for the top two teams in the country. Andy, you talk about losing talent, and of course both of these squads still have done so going into next season. They're not going to be necessarily a shell of what you saw last year, but at the same time, you're going to have to replace pieces, but it feels like Gonzaga's got a really, really strong core coming back, even now with Drew Timmy deciding to come back for his carry the one, three, 27th year in college. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, about a week ago, it looked like the Zags were going to get potentially zero of their five starters back. We knew Chet Holmgren was gone. That was a done deal the day he committed to Gonzaga. We knew Andrew Nempard was gone. He did not have any eligibility remaining after declaring for the draft. But there was a lot of, it was a really strange offseason for the Zags. We didn't know whether Drew Timmy was coming back. We didn't know if Julian Strother was coming back. We didn't know if Rasir Bolton was coming back. Losing all three of those guys would have put this team in a Still not a bad position. They still would have been a top 20 team in the country, uh, you know, probably eyeballing a three, four seed, something like that. Uh, but to get all those guys back, then to land that transfer out of Chattanooga, Malachi Smith, all of that happened in a 48 hour period. Busy time for Locked On Zags, a lot going on, but it was really fun to see uh, the roster come together the way that it did. Andy, of those guys now coming back to Gonzaga, I know Drew Timmy has just been that, that, almost a cult has this cult following amongst college basketball fans in general, not even at Gonzaga. He's got a, the, the mustache, right? It feels like the same thing with Matthew Meyer. There's the mullet and you just had that following around him. Was that the final piece that really fell in place that makes this Gonzaga team a national title contender, or is it with or without Drew Timmy, this guy, this team would be in a pretty similar spot. Yeah, Drew Timmy, it's definitely hard uh, to to say that they wouldn't be the same without him. Uh, he's a critical piece to this team. You know, they, they were on the market looking for a ton of really good transfers. They were looking at Broom out of Moorhead State. They were looking at AMAC out of Utah Valley. Those guys went elsewhere at that point. It was like, uh, I wonder if this means that Drew is is maybe thinking about coming back. Uh, they landed Efton Reed out of LSU. If he was the guy, if he was going to start, play 35 minutes per night, I think they'd still be in really good shape 
really talented kid, but mm. getting Drew back, putting Reed into more of a reserve role, I think you, you, the depth that this team has in the front court, uh, and then obviously the ability to put four shooters around Drew Timmy, which is what I think the lineup's going to look like next year. That's what they did in 2020, 2021, the year they, of course, played Baylor in the national championship. That was one of the most efficient offensive teams I've ever te- I've ever seen. Getting Drew Timmy back means they can do that again. We'll see if they have a similar amount of success. One of the the really fun parts about this matchup is two amazing coaches, right? You know it's going to be a chess game between both of you know Mark Few and Scott Drew. And the questions were rising in Waco even three or four years ago. Can Scott Drew coach? Yeah. Right. That that was there was this big argument over people that thought he was a good coach versus a bad coach. And and the big part was he couldn't get over the hump into the final four or he couldn't win a national championship. Does it feel like there's a sect of Gonzaga fans that are growing frustrated with Mark Few? for not winning a title even though he's on the doorstep every year i think we're, we're getting there I, there certainly is a subset of fans uh, it's not a huge contingency yet i think gonzaga being this very small school the i mean mark few has been the pinnacle of success at this program he took over in 2000 they have never not made the ncaa tournament it is hard to be too critical of a coach who has won as consistently as he has they didn't really have i think this is sometimes a, a misconception about gonzaga is that they have been this team that has been competing for championships for decades and has never won it that's just not true the first time they were ranked number one was 2013 they weren't ranked number one again until 2017 yes they have been ranked number one a lot since then but they've also been to two national championships since then they're still over on the win column and that's the last thing they need to get over but not a lot of teams have been two championships in a five-year window, and the Zags are still kind of in that conversation. They're going to be in that conversation this year. I don't think that the calls for Mark Few are too loud from the fan base. Certainly, there's a national aspect of will Mark Few ever win at all. And, and frankly, I understand why that's a question. It's the only thing left. It's the only thing left that hasn't been accomplished. So until that happens, it will be a part of the conversation. And the longer the Zags go without doing it, the more that subset of the population of, of Zag fans is going to get a little bigger. Andy, you have never gotten a question more pointed or <laughs> loaded than you are about to get today on Locked On Baylor, Locked On Zags crossover. Why is Gonzaga 0-2 in those championship games? And go. <laughs> well, I, I think, honestly, the, the, there were two very different games. Very different games. Gonzaga was in the game against North Carolina in 2017 until about four or five minutes to go. The big man, Shemit Karnowski, played poorly in that game. Drew Timmy played poorly against Baylor. Those That's one of the most, the biggest similarities. There were some officiating concerns in the North Carolina game, but they, they, they came down to the wire in that game. Whereas against Baylor, they basically got blitzed in the first five minutes of that game and then played even basketball for the next 35 minutes, but never chipped into that lead. That game was a coaching situation. Scott Drew outcoached Mark Few. He had a better game plan. He knew how to exploit Gonzaga's weaknesses. He knew basically how to get Drew Timmy alone in isolation on defense. Very, very big weak point in Drew Timmy's game. Uh, Baylor's guards were able to execute, lean into victory. I don't think there was a huge commonality between those two games, but two, two games that obviously Gonzaga, at least in the North Carolina game, had a chance to, to secure victory. Baylor... I think if they didn't have those first five minutes, we'd be talking about a different game. If those two teams play each other 10 times, it's probably five and five or six and four, but uh, Scott Drew won that one. 
Andy, the, the last question for those listening, one of the, the parts of the show today is to kind of point out Gonzaga and what they have going into next season, the matchup against Baylor, and really the, the program as a whole, and then do the flip side in the middle of the show with Baylor as well, and then round it all out with a comparison of the two teams going into next year from a 30,000-level view. But the, the last question that I, I'd love to know about the Zags, Andy, the, it's been brought up just nonstop that, oh, Gonzaga can't win at all because they play in a, in a, a conference mm-hmm. that doesn't challenge them like the SEC or the Pac-12 or the ACC. And the list goes on. Big 12, it's, it's one of the best in, in basketball. How much truly does Gonzaga's conference schedule play into, you know, falling in the late postseason the last few years? Yeah, I I, I... – I think there's a lot of Gonzaga fans who think that it's completely irrelevant and that's not true. There is some, some semblance of truth to it. I don't think it's as big of a deal as a lot of people make it out to be. I also think that the WCC gets treated as if it is the SOCON or the WAC or the big West or other conferences that frankly, it's significantly better than those conferences. Is it anywhere close to the power fives? No, it's not. The the level top to bottom in these conferences does not compare uh, to, to the to the Power Five conferences, but I don't think it's as huge of a difference. I do think that Gonzaga used to schedule in-season non-conference games. They played Memphis in like 2009, 2010 in that area. They would play them in February, and I wish they would go back to doing that because I do think they could use a few more challenges, but this year, their last three regular season games were St. Mary's, San Francisco, San Francisco. Those three teams are all, or those two teams were all were tournament teams. We're yeah. good tournament teams. So it's they weren't playing, you know, yeah, they played Portland. Yeah, they played Pepperdine, but they they finished the regular season playing really tough teams and that momentum didn't help them. They struggled pretty much every game of the NCAA tournament before eventually falling to Arkansas. I think I I, I think that their pace is really frenetic, and I think guys got a little bit worn out at the end of the year, but I don't think the WCC is as big of a part of the reason that they don't win in March as some people think it out, make it out to be, but it's also, it does have an impact. Andy, uh, before we kind of get on the Baylor side of things, what the Bears have looking forward to next season, I know there's something that you love, because I love it too. And that's Bet Online. I trust me. Andy is not going anywhere. He will certainly be back. But Bet Online, I got to tell you about it because right now the NBA Finals are going on. It's the Celtics against the Warriors. I don't know if you've been watching this. I haven't. I'm not a big NBA guy. I follow the Baylor Bears. That's about it. Locked on Baylor. But really good stuff, I think, I guess. And it's even better if you put some money on it, right? If you're a guy like me, you just don't care that much. Or maybe you do. You put some, you know, fiscally responsible funds on these games. And it just brings the game even more to life in your living room as you're jumping off the couch because you make, you know, money at BetOnline, BetOnline.net when you put money on these games. NHL Hockey Conference Finals also going on. Major League Baseball. Latest fighting news from MMA and UFC. If you want to check out all kinds of lines for next college football season as well, for our Zag fans, college basketball season, live betting, esports too, all that's at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at betonline.net. Visit Bet Online. Andy, the burning questions that Gonzaga fans may have for a Baylor team that won the national championship in Indianapolis against this team a couple of years ago, really, what is it for Zag fans that is appealing about this matchup going into into South Dakota that they are, are curious looking forward to? Yeah, I think one of the big things that I'm curious about personally is you look at this Baylor team from from two years ago, which is where most fans are going to be familiar. They're going to remember Mitchell. They're going to remember Jared Butler, mm-hmm. Macy Oteague, those guys. The, all those guys left after this team won a national championship and Baylor was still a number one seed last year. They had Kendall Brown. They had Sochan, two incredible talented guards. Now both those guys are gone out the door 
What is Baylor's backcourt going to look like this season? Is it another situation of just survive in advance, next man up, or is there a concern that the guard rotation is going to take a hit uh, for Baylor? Well, interestingly enough, Andy, I know you remember the name Adam Flagler because yeah. how could you not, right? <laughs> and Adam Flagler is going to be a, a really big piece just for, I mean, you talk front court or back court. I think mm-hmm. Adam Flagler is going to be the guy as well as LJ Cryer, who's a guy who, guy who also got minutes in the national championship game. There mm-hmm. are still, similar to, to the Zags, uh, plenty of players that are left over from that squad that have the national mm-hmm. championship experience that are on this team. So the first two guys you look at are certainly Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, Keontae George, number two player in the country it's coming to Baylor next season as well he's a guard that stands pretty darn tall I think six foot four at last count and can can be a, a quite the presence on the floor and I think Baylor fans are really excited about what he can bring to the table alongside the experience of Adam Flagler LJ Cryer and then Jalen Bridges who is a big forward out of West Virginia entered the transfer portal decided to come to Baylor and had had a few good games against Baylor too struggled a little bit here and there in Big 12 play but it felt like maybe his West Virginia the way they were utilizing him wasn't where he wanted to be and Baylor was a better fit and you make that case with most transfers, right? Somebody transfers you to your school, it's like, ha, he is going to be far better at my school. And <laughs> maybe that's not the case, but it feels like that's true for Jalen Bridges. And then you got Flo Thamba. Mm-hmm. All Gonzaga fans should know who Flo Thamba is. After I, I tell people this, there is only one time where we have seen Flo Thamba just go out of his mind. And it was on April 5th of 2021. And it made little to no sense whatsoever. But Flo Thamba was the X factor. It felt like or, or one of the couple in that national title game. So with him back as well, uh, quite a few guys coming off the bench to you're, you're right. You got to replace two NBA guys, top 20 picks, Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown. And how do you do it? Oh, Scott Drew, Drew reloaded last year. He's going to do it again. But this year with a little more experience, rather than looking to freshmen like Sohan and Brown were last season. Yeah, that, that perfectly leads into the next question I had, which is kind of something that I think Mark Few and Scott Drew have both shown that they're very good at, is there are multiple different ways to build a team. I think good teams can build a team one way really well. They're very good at recruiting. They're very good at transfer portal or whatever. And great teams can do it multiple different ways. And Baylor looks like a team that is doing it multiple different ways. You have guys like the guys you mentioned, Flagler and Thamba, who are who developed, who grew within the program, who are you know upperclassmen now, similar with the Zags, of course, Drew Timmy, Anton Watson kind of fit into that mold. And then you have your transfers. And then you have your younger guys who maybe they're top-tier prospects. Obviously, Gonzaga started to dip into that market with Suggs and Holmgren. Clearly, Baylor dipped into that last year with Brown. Is there kind of a rhyme and a reason to what the, the Baylor Bears do in terms of how they develop their talent, or are they kind of finding ways to do it multiple different ways? And how has that kind of made off-seasons go for Baylor as they're looking to kind of reload every year? It feels like Andy Baylor's now making its bed in less so of going after the star transfer. When Davion Mitchell or Jared Butler came to Baylor or Macy Oteague, you had probably never heard their names. They had you know, be- some bench minutes for Davion Mitchell at Auburn. Uh, yeah. Macy Oteague coming from UNC Wilmington wasn't really well known. Jared Butler never played on, on at Alabama at all. It was there for like 48 hours and left. So what Scott Drew does, he takes these players you haven't heard of and they don't win. They're, they're not national championship ready right away. He takes mm-hmm. them and molds them after a couple of years, and then they're ready when they grow as a team. It's I, I have the Arkansas theory, right? Yep. Arkansas is really, really good at basketball, but it's impossible to bring in six transfers every year, lean on mm-hmm. those guys, and win a national championship because the chemistry is not there. 
What does Mark Few do? What does Scott Drew do? What did Roy Williams do? These guys, Bill Self, have built teams that are old basketball teams. Jay Wright at Villanova, same thing. How can we bring in guys who've been in our program for a long time and win that way? I truly believe a team of transfers cannot win a national championship. A first-year transfers. A team of guys that have grown together, become that team like Jared Butler, Davion, you know, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. They certainly have a much better shot. So that's been Scott Drew's MO, taking a guy, and you have a few next season, like Dale Bonner is a guy who got two years ago from Fairmont State. And folks mm-hmm. said, okay, who, what? And and it feels like he could make that step. And Adam Flagler is another one of those guys as well. So it to me, that's, that's what Scott Drew is doing, is if the transfer portal is going to be that prevalent, I'll spend a lot of time recruiting it, but not for guys that can make the immediate impact because it's just going to hurt us late in the tournament when that last little bit of team chemistry you need isn't there. Speaking of the transfer portal, uh, the Baylor Bears lost a big one. Obviously, Matthew Mayer, the very well-known, like you said, for the mullet. Uh, How surprised? We knew he was going to enter the draft. I don't think there was a lot of shock there that he was going to at least test out the waters there. But how surprised were you to see him not only not stay in the draft, but end up transferring to Illinois? Yeah, it's kind of the weird thing that the transfer portal has brought is is it slaps you in the face sometimes. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like that with Matthew Meyer. Oddly enough, if you're around the Baylor program, it felt as though you're you're it's that move on point, right? Where the guy gets kind of old, he's been there for a while, and at some point it's like, all right, dude, you you've been here for a long time. We can we we get it's okay. You can go ahead and go. But and that's that's really how Scott Drew treated it because there were no scholarships left. Matthew Meyer declared for the NBA draft and one of the big reasons he couldn't come back to Baylor was the fact that the scholarships were no more. He wouldn't have a spot on the roster. So then he had to enter the transfer portal, meaning it wasn't that shocking to Baylor fans, but it, it was odd to see he goes to the NBA draft where he would have been drafted in the second round had he gone after the national championship, held it out a year, really mm. regressed going into his senior season. And of course that hurts, you know, for for the NBA draft prospect this year. And now he's at Illinois. So I think it was it was not that surprising that he transferred, but certainly Illinois Brad Underwood, uh it, that that's he he could be solid there, but we're all blessed that he didn't go to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think Gonzaga fans what what happened with Corey Kispert, who, of course, after his junior year, had a lot of draft buzz, was probably going to be a second round pick. He returned yeah, to man. campus, had a monster senior year, gets picked 15th overall and has a very successful rookie year. That's a great story. And it's a great story for college basketball fans. Uh, it's a great story for Gonzaga fans. But I think that it has in some, like a lot of people keep mentioning this guy should mm-hmm. come back and do what Corey did. And, and it's, it's only been a year. And I've already seen it mentioned so many times. And you don't always hear about the other stories, players yeah. who come back and regress or don't don't progress. You know, Drew Timmy came back and didn't really progress. He was great last year. He was great the year before that. He's been great his whole career. He's going right. to be great next year. Is he going to improve his draft stock? Probably not. And yeah. that's fine. That's fine. I don't think that that's a bad thing, but it is interesting because it's easier to kind of forget about the players who, who maybe, I'm not saying he made a mistake necessarily, but there is kind of a give and take with that where it is a risk. Every decision is going to come with some risk. And just because it worked for a couple guys to come back for their final season, doesn't always mean that it's going to work for everybody. Hmm. Well, do you know, what's not, you know, it's not a risk. Hmm. Andy eating built bars. <laughs> 
If you eat built bars and he's not going anywhere, we still have one more segment left. I'm, I'm having a blast right now. College basketball, Baylor or Gonzaga. But right, I'm telling you, I'm also having a blast eating built bar because this stuff, I'm trying to build. I'm in Cape Cod right now. You see the, the, the new setup right here. I'm in Cape Cod. Uh, just got here to call some baseball games in the Cape Cod League. Gonna be really fun. It'll be really fun. But how do I stay in shape? There's a beach right here. I gotta look good. I gotta look good at the beach. My girlfriend's here too. You know, you got you don't wanna you don't wanna like just roll out the dad bod. You've been building all winter. That's why I've, I've gotten into Built Bar. I have thrown away all my granola bars. They're really, really bad for you. Instead, turn to Built Bar. Like 140 calories, right? I really like the caramel brownie. Right now, I'm on the caramel brownie trend. Chewy, chocolatey brownie, caramel, swirl. What have I told you? You can have all that. All of that. And 17 grams of protein. It's a true story. It's a true story. Best part, 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate. Uh, so don't have to sacrifice tasty stuff for your health either. Millions of reasons you should try Built Bar. But right now, the caramel brownie will rock your world. Not an understatement. Go try it. Built.com. Super, super good. Built.com. Locked15. Promo code Locked15 will get you 15% off at Built.com. It's Built Bar and the caramel brownie. All right, Andy. These two teams are squaring off. The ball is tipped. There you are. What is this going to look like when both Baylor and Gonzaga meet in the most historic pavilion in South Dakota? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really curious how this game is going to shake out. I think it's going to be a super fun game. I'm, I'm curious if the, the big thing that has challenged Gonzaga for the last couple of seasons uh, has been the physicality, particularly physicality from guards. Yeah. Uh, the Baylor National Championship game was the most prominent example of that, uh, but it happened against Duke last year in the non-conference. Mm. Uh, Mark Williams had a phenomenal game, but a lot of the pressure in that game was Trevor Keels and Wendell Moore putting a lot of pressure on Gonzaga's guards. Uh, we saw it against Alabama last year as well. And I, there's no reason for Baylor not to try to do the same thing that worked last time these two teams played each other. I think that we're going to see uh, some pressure, some physical physicality from the guards. And this is a pretty new group of guards for Gonzaga. I think the biggest question is Nolan Hickman, a five-star freshman last year who kind of faded down the stretch. He's probably got the keys to the kingdom this year. Is he going to be ready for that? Is he going to be able to handle that pressure, that physicality? Again, going back to our previous conversation, things you don't really see very often in the WCC. It's a unique experience uh, when you have to face that in this kind of situation. Obviously, Drew Timmy is going to be a huge part of it. I think Gonzaga is going to run some four guard sets with Timmy in the middle, give him some more room to operate. Very fascinated to see that matchup with Tamba again and how those two guys duke it out. Uh, but I think it's going to be it's going to be a phenomenal game. It's going to be one of the most watched, one of the best games in the non-conference slate across all of college basketball next year. And I don't think that there's any way this game is determined by less than 10 points on either side. Andy, when the game tips off, how much is that national championship in the mind of the Gonzaga players and staff still? Yeah, I think you got a lot of returners, obviously. Uh, you know, your Drew Timmy, Anton Watson are two of the biggest ones. Uh, and then a lot of newer guys who, who weren't around for that necessarily. Even guys who are veterans, Rasir Bolton, you know, he wasn't on that team, but he's a fifth-year guy. He's played Baylor a lot in his yes, career. He so he's going to be ready for that, I think. Uh, I think the staff is certainly going to downplay it. Hey, it's another game. It's another team. It's, you know, half the guys who are on those two teams are in the NBA now. It's not something we have to worry about. But the, the fans are going to be thinking about it every single minute. And I think both coaches are probably going to try their best to make sure the players are focused on today and right now and not thinking about the past. 
Andy, in that two, you have two coaches that we've already mentioned, and Scott Drew and Mark Few, that are at the top of the game, that are on that Mount Rushmore of of active coaches. And when you get those two in a building together, we've already seen in past matchups that it, it's just a wonderful display of of um, its masterclass in coaching basketball. What do you expect out of that matchup again, knowing that Scott Drew got the best of Mark Few like he did in that championship game? Yeah, I think Mark Few is going to have to be willing to make some some quick adjustments. And this mm. is something that hasn't always been his strength. I think he's he's better at making in-game adjustments than some people give him credit for. Uh, and over the course of a season, it doesn't look like there's a lot of adjustments, but there's kind of minor ones throughout the way. I think he's going to have to come into this game with, he's going to have to try to do something that surprises Coach Drew, because that's what happened last time, yeah. is Baylor came out and did something that Mark Few and their staff was not expecting. That plus some some struggles offensively from Drew Timmy, that was enough. That was enough for Gonzaga to not be able to stage any level of a comeback. I think they got down 15 and ended up bringing it back to within eight or so, and that was it. They never really got closer than that. I know it never felt, after the first three minutes of that game, it never felt like they were going to win. That is going to be the biggest thing that they are trying to avoid, is how can they put the pressure on Baylor early, get to the Bears so that they're down five, they're down ten within the first five minutes of that game. Because at that point, Gonzaga might be able to hold on to it and and withstand any comeback that Baylor might make. But if these two teams just keep trading blows all game long, it's going to come down to the very last minute. Andy, last question for you here before we wrap it out. Uh, did Gonzaga really have champagne ready at the national championship? I have, I honestly have no idea. My guess is no, my guess, or my guess is not in any way other than what most teams do. I think yeah, everything yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, has a little bit of it ready. Uh, I think. Whoa, teams- whoa, 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 whoa. Not the Baptist school. Come on. Come on. No, <laughs> no. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think teams use whatever they can to motivate themselves. And if it worked for them, it worked for them. I love it. I love it. Andy, uh, that is will be one question that burns in my brain that I still to this day, I don't think they did. I really don't think they did. But if it works and if one of your seniors says it, you just kind of go with it and rock and roll. Yep. Uh, I'm going to get just absolutely – Twitter's going to explode that I said that, that, I, that I'm a I'm a, a truther on the Gonzaga uh, uh, champagne deal. Andy, real quick, if folks want to find your stuff, where can they go? Where can they see you? Yeah, Locked on Zags available on YouTube. It's available wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at ScoreZagsScore. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags as well. Well, folks, thanks for making Locked On Baylor and Locked On Zags your first listen every single day. Make your second listen, Locked On NBA Big Board, all things for Baylor and Gonzaga, the players that are going in the NBA draft in 2022. They've got it all wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey, YouTube, Spotify. You go there, find Locked On NBA Big Board. Thanks for listening today. Come back on Friday. We love seeing you. Glad you joined us today on Locked On Baylor and Gonzaga.